This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 167, Balancing Your Hormones for Better Wellness. If you've been experiencing symptoms like weight fluctuation, pain, fertility challenges, painful periods, sleep disturbances, constant fatigue, high levels of stress, or digestive issues, your hormones might be out of whack. And that can have a huge snowball effect on your health and wellness. For today's episode, I sat down with Carrie Costiner. Since 1999, Carrie has been a yoga teacher and she's focused her work one-on-one with women to help them optimize their health through food and movement. Carrie studied various fitness modalities and holistic health strategies, including hormones and herbal medicine for women. By incorporating her education on health and herbs with her knowledge of yoga, movement, mindfulness, and fitness, Carrie provides individual and small group integrative wellness coaching. If this episode helps you in any way, share it and help someone else on their journey. Leave a review on iTunes for them to find the episode or the podcast in general, or share your takeaways on social media. I always love to read your takeaways on the episode, so as you take a screenshot of the episode and share something you've learned, make sure to tag at On and Off Your Mat Podcast. One last thing before we get to today's episode, if you've already taken my quiz, How Sensitive Are You?, I would love for you to share your results with me. And if you haven't taken the quiz already, then you can do that. There will be a link in the show notes for you to find it. With your results, you will get a personalized workbook and a plan of action with the right stress tools according to your personal level of sensitivity. So it's super helpful. All right, let's get to today's episode with Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Erica. How's it going? I'm so well. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I feel very, Such a very honored to be here. Yay. So to get us started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey for our listeners that don't know you yet? Sure. So let's see. I think for me, I'm going to go back to my competitive gymnast days because that was the big part of my physical and mental life for so many years. And it's where I learned, I think through gymnastics is where I learned to really take my mind into my body. And it was my escape from the outside world. And so gymnastics like was my high, it was my drug. It also taught me some stuff about, you know, what I should be eating in order to support my body. But unfortunately, I didn't learn a lot of that until I was older as a college gymnast. But after my gymnastics time, I was looking for that same mind-body connection, which I eventually found by practicing yoga. It was my time to come to my mat and my mind would leave the world and enter my body and my breath. And really, I just felt so internally inspired by that connection and the calm that it gave me. Eventually, I became a yoga teacher And I've been teaching yoga since 1999, which ages me a little bit. You know, with age comes wisdom. Eventually, I went to law school. And even during law school and in my early years and throughout my law practice, I always stayed with teaching yoga and also teaching fitness classes because it was just the best part of my day. Mm -hmm. I had a way to make some money as a practice of a lawyer, but I loved being with people and teaching them to connect their minds and their bodies and their breath and find some peace and find strength. So that's one part of what I do. You know, still I teach yoga and I teach fitness. And then I had kids. And after I had kids, my body kind of started breaking down a little bit. I started Mm. experiencing a lot of fatigue and exhaustion. And that's partly because you have kids and you don't sleep because they're up all night 
you know, nursing if you're nursing or, you know, keeping you awake, having bad dreams. And after a while, I finally found a naturopathic doctor. And this was my first introduction to natural medicine. And I went and saw this doctor and I just felt terrible. And this was the first time I heard of what we call adrenal fatigue. And that's not actually a medical condition, but it's a term mm -hmm. that we use to describe this idea of being burnt out. And so she encouraged me to start you know, improving my sleep habits. And we used a lot of herbs and supplements and increasing my nutrients through eating better high quality foods. And I did start to feel better. And then fast forward a few more years, and I underwent just like my first big health scare. It was actually right after we went into lockdown. So like the fall of 2020, and I found like a 14 centimeter mass in one of my breasts. And it was really serious and scary. And for weeks, we couldn't figure out the diagnosis. And the doctor said I had something called inflammatory breast cancer. So there was a lot of stress there. And eventually, after a lot of biopsies, and they weren't able to find any cancer cells, they changed the diagnosis to something called granulomatous mastitis, which is apparently very rare. And the way my Western doctors wanted to help me was one doctor wanted to put me on chemo for just a year. And the other doctor was promoting just a year, just a year during a pandemic when we want to keep our immune system strong. And then the other doctor wanted to put me on heavy steroids, like a steroid cocktail. And the whole idea in Western medicine, and when there's something autoimmune, they want to kill the immune system so that it stops attacking the body and that you can allegedly get healthier. But I refused all that treatment. And I found another naturopathic doctor who was amazing. And we worked with various diet strategies, herbal supplements, and fasting. And we eventually were able to shrink the mass and get me back on my journey to health and healing. And the whole time, I've always been super into health and wellness and working one-on-one -on -one with women. But this just brought my focus even deeper. And I started taking an herbal medicine for women class and just honing in more on some of the powers of food as medicine, finding ways to balance hormones and just general geeking out on wellness and, you know, the integration of the body and the mind and the spirit. So here we yeah. are. Yeah, yeah, here we are. And because of that journey and everything you've learned and how you work with women today, I wanted to talk to you about hormones. It's a subject we awesome. haven't really talked about on the podcast And I think a lot of women have similar situations. It might not be as like intense, but I've been diagnosed with an ovarian tumor just this year. Like it's oh, something wow. that's so common and we need to look at our hormones. And I think we need to know better our bodies. So when the doctors give us options that don't resonate with us. And that has happened to me so many times. People that listen to the podcast and know me a little bit, they also know I suffer from endometriosis. So I've had decades of doctors telling me, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do this. And me saying, no, we're not. <laughs> Actually, yeah. we're not going to do that. And like having to advocate for myself. But I think the more that we know about her bodies, the more that we know about our stress, our nervous system. This is why I teach those things, our hormones, like all of those things, all of those pieces of the puzzle give us more agency and more empowerment when it's time to take care of ourselves. So other than like what I'm just thinking about, why in your opinion, should we pay attention to our hormones? Like why should we care further than, so if something yeah. bad happens, I have information like in today, what should we care about it? 
Well, first of all, good job for you for being your own advocate because it's hard. That's a really hard mm-hmm. thing to do. It is. But I think the more information we have, even information that we gather from talking to people, the better advocate we can be for ourselves. So absolutely. Yes. Hormones. Hormones are so important. Hormones are little messengers that are made in one part of our body and they do work in other parts of our body and they influence so many of our daily functions. They affect everything from blood sugar to blood pressure, growth, fertility, our sex drive, our metabolism, our ability to sleep and feel rested. Mm. And I think especially as women, because we're on a 28-day cycle, you know, during our menstruating years, we can experience sudden and frequent hormonal changes. And some of these can cause difficult symptoms, right? Like For example, during our cycle, the week before our period, if we have too much estrogen, our breasts might be extra sore. Or if we don't make enough progesterone, we might feel anxious or have trouble sleeping. You know, hormones affect our mood, which I'm sure (laughs) we've all experienced in one way or another. (laughs) Estrogen makes us feel good and sexy and progesterone makes us feel calm and mellow. And you've got cortisol, which is our stress hormone that can also impact mood. So there's a lot of impact of hormones on the brain. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. no. So So the symptoms for people to know if they might have some issues with their hormones, you talked about metabolism, that means weight gain or like feeling yeah. fatigued or right? Like those are examples that they might notice in their symptoms. You talked about like fertility, libido, so trouble getting pregnant, not having a sex drive. Those would be symptoms. You talked about our cycle. So painful cycle, big, like intense PMS. Those would be symptoms that your hormones might need to be, you know, paid attention to. You talked about sleep. So like sleep disturbance, insomnia, waking up at like 3, 4 a.m., right? Am I correct? Hormone related. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, fatigue, anything else I'm forgetting that you mentioned that we can list as symptoms for people to be like, oh, check, 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 check. Yeah, maybe I need to, <laughs> to look into this. Yeah, I mean, you said weight gain, and there can also be like extreme weight loss. That can be a symptom. Fluctuations in the mood, you know, feelings like even feeling depressed, that can be a symptom of our hormones, not having enough energy to get through the day, having that tired but wired feeling at night right Uh you wake up in the morning and you get through the day and then all of a sudden at night you're tired and you know should sleep but you get that second wind that's a hormonal issue so yeah acne you know really bad skin Mm -hmm. issues that can be problems problems with your gut that can be related to hormones oh yeah They have a lot to look into to be like, how much of these am I experiencing? So you mentioned a few hormones already, estrogen, progesterone, and you mentioned cortisol. What are the main hormones that we need to know about, consider, and what do they do? Can we kind of make a little bit of a list? Let's start with five hormones because there's so many different ones we can talk about, but we talked about cortisol. Cortisol is your stress response hormone. Then you've got insulin, which is released from the pancreas, and that helps regulate blood sugar. That's another hormone. So when we eat, the pancreas releases insulin. Insulin comes out and removes glucose from our blood and stores it in the liver and in lean muscle. And then eventually any leftover gets stored as fat. So insulin is really important. And that could be its own podcast. You've got thyroid. You know, I'm not a thyroid expert. 
but you've got your thyroid hormone, which is produced in the thyroid gland, and that's going to help regulate metabolism. And then just to mention a couple of side ones, you've got ghrelin. I know I said only five, but I'm going to throw out a few more. You got ghrelin. Ghrelin is your hunger hormone. Ghrelin and leptin regulate hunger. That's not one we hear a lot about. No, no, it's not. I mean, we'd probably get more into that if we're talking about talking about, you know, insulin more and blood sugar. Mm -hmm. But ghrelin is a hormone that tells you when you're full. And leptin and ghrelin just kind of tell you when you're full and when you need to eat. So those are Mm -hmm. hormones. And though they all get thrown off, right? If you don't sleep enough, then some of those hormones start to activate at the wrong time or activate too often. And then you've got your sex hormones. Progesterone and estrogen are your key ones, but women also make testosterone and there's luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone that are all active during your cycle, helping through ovulation and pregnancy if you become pregnant. So lots of hormones to think about. Yeah. What would be some potential causes for imbalances? Like, I think what makes it difficult for people sometimes is, as you mentioned, it's kind of all intertwined, right? Like one doesn't work alone. Like I've experienced a lot of, or I've noticed in my own body, like the correlation between estrogen and cortisol and how, like, if one raises the other one raises, because that was one of the things that affected my endometriosis, my levels of estrogen. And I noticed really clearly that if I would get tested and my cortisol, you know, was really high, I would relate. So like, it gets totally. difficult to know, like, where do I go from here? What's causing what when they're all intertwined, <laughs> and they all affect each other? What are some potential causes we can look like a bit more at the root, maybe, or some correlation that we need to be aware of when we look at, okay, I have those symptoms, I might have some hormonal imbalances, like, what do I need to look at? Well, hormones can get out of whack for all sorts of reasons. Not sleeping well or not getting a sufficient sleep, that's a really key reason for Mm. throwing lots of different hormones off. Being in a constant state of stress, that constant feeling of fight or flight, that's going to throw your hormones off. Exposure to environmental toxins, which unfortunately we're at the onslaught of that constantly just by being alive. And if our detox pathways are clogged up a little bit or not functioning properly, or we don't have the right micronutrients to support them, all those environmental toxins are going to impact our hormones. So all the little creams we put on our bodies, all the shampoo, the soaps, all of those things that we use, right? That fragrances, like if something, you know, if you've got candles, I mean, candles are a huge thing. You got to make sure your candles are pure essential oil because most fragrances are full of phthalates. And phthalates are endocrine disruptors. Drinking out of plastic water bottles, you're mm-hmm. consuming BPAs. So I highly recommend everyone switch to, you know, the stainless steel or ideally glass if you can walk around without breaking it. Trying to eat organic food whenever you can to avoid as much pesticide uptake mm-hmm. as you can. You know, especially if you're eating dairy or meat, because conventional dairy and meat is made with a lot of hormones and antibiotics, and those are going to throw off your hormones even something light pollution and noise pollution. So our blue lights, for example, you know, our phone is full of blue light. So it's really important at nighttime after the sun goes down, you want to change your settings so that the blue light blocker comes on. Because in the morning, you want to get natural sunlight. And at night, you want to get rid of that blue light and have dark so that your melatonin can start working and your cortisol can continue reducing. Too much exercise can throw off your hormones. Not eating enough can throw off your hormones. 
emotional stress, negative thoughts, negative self-talk, sedentary behavior, so not moving enough. There, I mean, there's so many things. And that's the uh-huh. thing is, if, you know, if you're feeling off and you're paying attention to your body, it could be hormonal, but I would back that up and say, it's probably important to you know, talk to a doctor, preferably a functional medicine doctor who's going to take a holistic approach at what you're doing so that they can rule out anything more serious Mm -hmm. and check out what's really going on on the inside. If we do go see a doctor, a naturopath or something similar like that, and we think that something might be up with our hormones and we want to advocate for ourselves, what can we ask? Is there any particular questions we need to ask that person? Or is there any tests we can request? Like, what do we do in that meeting? No, it's a great question. So, you know, a good naturopathic or functional medicine doctor is going to take time with you and and take a really profound history, ask you lots of questions about what could be going on. Now, you could present that you think it might be your hormones and you want to really clearly explain the symptoms. And I would encourage you, if you notice that you are having symptoms, to start writing it down, like, you know, keeping a calendar, describing what symptoms are having during the day and tracking your cycle and start noticing, hey, are things happening in a cyclic, you know, 26 to 30? 32 day manner, you know, Mm -hmm. because that's information that's helpful for you and for your doctor. And then they should do some blood work. You know, you want to get some basic blood work, the complete blood thyroid, like your CBC, your thyroid, your metabolic panel, you know, markers of inflammation, look at your iron, right? Because sometimes anemia can make you feel crappy and tired. And so it's not your hormone, there's an iron issue. And then there are salivary tests that will look at cortisol and your other hormones, The Dutch test is one that I particularly like. And you take urine and saliva samples throughout a 24-hour period. And it's really awesome. It will show you a spread of like how your cortisol, your melatonin, your DHEA, your progesterone, your estrogen, your testosterone. It looks at everything and it can give you a lot of information, at least in that moment in time Mm -hmm. of what's going on in your body. That will help you and your doctor evaluate to see. Yeah, because those reproductive hormones, we can't really do blood tests, right? Like it doesn't give us like the kind of a right full picture of the situation. We need the saliva test. Yeah, that's what I've learned is that there are blood tests that can be done where they'll check some of the sex hormones, but I think the urine and saliva is a better, better measure. Yeah. So I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's a good action step for people to take if they think that they have issues to go seek medical help from a professional for sure. If they know that their sleep is out of whack, their stress is, <laughs> you know, through the roof, they know they're exposed to some amount of environmental toxins. They know their food is not always, you know, the best to support them or they are doing too much or too little exercise. This is really a lot of things to like tackle at once. Where do we start? Yeah. Like, what's the first step? What's the thing that's going to create the biggest ripple effect? Where do people begin that journey if they want to improve their hormones? Awesome question. And actually, for me, this is an easy answer. And I think it's all about sleep. I never mm-hmm. appreciated sleep. When I was in college, I used to feel like, oh, if I'm not going to sleep eight hours, I might as well not sleep at all. (laughs) But I mean, it was so stupid and it really messes with your brain and like all of your bodily functions. But I think sleep is probably the most important thing you can do to support your holistic health. And sleep starts in the morning, really. So one of the most important things you can do to help promote sleep is when you wake up within about the first 30 minutes of rising, you want to see natural light. 
And if it's cold outside, sometimes what I do is I get bundled up and I just open a window just enough so that like my head shape can fit through the slot. And I sit there and I drink hot water and or my hot coffee or tea. And I just look out the window. And ideally, you want to do this for about 15 minutes, even if the sun's not out and it's foggy. There's like a protein in your retina called melanopsin, and it absorbs the light. It starts your day for you. It tells your body clock it's morning, and it starts the production of melatonin that you're going to need for the night, and it gets your cortisol awakening response active. So I would say there is one really cool practice. Try to see natural light within your first 30 minutes of waking for about 15 minutes. Longer is even better, but if you can do 15 minutes, that would be awesome. And then having good sleep hygiene, you know, lights affect our melatonin production. And melatonin is the hormone that's released that helps us go to sleep. So at night, I'm kind of a crazy person around here, but I start (laughs) dimming all the lights. I'm like, turn the light off, turn the light off. When the kids are brushing their teeth, I like put it dim and they complain they can't see themselves, but it just takes a moment to get adjusted. So dim lights at night, get off your screens at least an hour before bed. You know, if you can do two or three hours, that would, yeah, I mean, two or three is even better, but that's a really important, get that blue light away from your eyes. Another hack for sleep is try to stop eating at least three hours before you go to bed so that your body can get some of that digestion done. And then it can work on other things once you are sleeping, because sleep is your rest and recovery time. That's the brain gets cleaned out, the memories get processed, your injuries heal, You know, Mm -hmm. your viruses get taken care of. It's such an important foundation for pretty much everything. So there's my tirade on sleep. Yeah, that's a great place to start. And those are easy-ish action steps to begin with. You know, get some sunlight in the morning. It's not super difficult. And it's just creating new habits at night instead of being on your phone until you go to bed, like just organizing your day in a different way. I put my phone on silence completely so I don't get notifications. It'll go to tomorrow morning. Like nothing is that urgent right now. Like, you know, unless like something is actually urgent, like I have, you know, you can have on your phone, like if you call twice, it will ring anyway. So like little things (laughs) like that. Or like if I receive a phone call from XYZ person, it will ring anyway. But all the other notifications are off. And that way it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. And I find it as easier to keep it away, you know? That's awesome. Those are are great strategies. Yep. Totally. Yeah. Just so it doesn't feel like you're fighting with the momentum of your habits currently, you know, you make little changes at the time and it feels a bit less like painful, let's say, or like effortful. Just pick one, start with like, Hey, I'm going to turn my phone off an hour before bed. And once you establish that, then start looking at the sun in the morning and it can't be through a window. That's the only thing. The window has to be open because there's too much of the lux gets blocked. So, Mm -hmm. but one thing, you know, one thing every week or two. Yeah. Totally. So let's say we've worked on our sleep. We feel like we have this down and we're down the line and we're ready to add new things. What would be other things that we can do? Like how do we improve the way we eat for hormones or the way we move for hormones or what's in our environment or our stress? What's number two thing to go to? I love that. I think the next important thing is to eat real food, eat real whole food really trying to eliminate the ultra processed stuff because it's Mm -hmm. not even really food. If you eat plants, you eat, you know, vegetables and fruit. And if you eat meat, eat meat. If you eat dairy, consume dairy. They're single ingredient foods. 
And that would have such a grand impact on your health. You don't have to be perfect. None of us can be perfect. Or maybe some of us can, but I can't. But, you know, you go for you know 80 to 90% perfection. And if you can be good most of the time, it really does have such a big impact. Anything in a box, they usually contain inflammatory oils. They contain processed carbs and sugar, things that spike your blood sugar, which then causes your insulin to go up. And it, it just there's a cascade effect. You know, whole foods like cruciferous vegetables help us detox excess estrogen. There's, you know, foods like with vitamin C, like oranges are good for our progesterone. So really just honing in on real foods. That would definitely be my next goal for everybody. Yeah. And as we start those practices, we improve on our sleep, we improve on our food. How do we know that what we're doing is working? Like, how do we know we're on the right path? How long does it take to see improvement? What can we notice? Yeah, good question. You know, I think you have to remember when things start to go awry, it doesn't happen overnight, right? When we're feeling like crap, it's not because of one thing we did one time. It's usually an accumulation, especially if, you know, Totally years, especially something like autoimmune or something bigger. You know, this doesn't happen in a week or two. And so I think that you have to be patient and allow things time to unravel into the positive direction. However, there are certain things that happen quickly, you know, like if your detox pathways are open, if you're sweating and peeing and pooping properly, you can excrete plastics that you consume from the environment, you can take them in and within a few days, they will be out if you give yourself a break from consuming the plastics and give your body time to excrete them. There was a study done with switching some teenagers to organic food, and they were measuring their urine output of the pesticides, and they saw improvement in a matter of days. So there are things that can happen a little bit quickly, but the overall impact on overall health might just take a little bit longer. So be patient and give yourself, you know, at least a couple of weeks. If you're trying to change your sleep pattern, give yourself two or three weeks of following all of the new sleep hygiene rules, and then you should start to see a difference. But again, you got to be patient, two or three weeks of consistency to change that pattern. Yeah. Do you think the longer you've quote unquote, waited to make change, like the further you are in dis-ease, the longer it will necessarily take to switch to something that feels like more wellness? You know, I think that goes both ways. I think in some cases, it might take longer because it depends on the depth of the dis-ease that you're experiencing. Like if you have a true sickness, you know, it took my 14 centimeter mass over a year to shrink down Mm. to almost nothing. I mean, I had to be really patient. It was a really, really long process. But I think, you know, some things like if you change your diet and you start eating healthier, real whole foods, you'll probably start feeling better in a matter of days. So it it might not heal your condition Mm -hmm. right away, but I think you'll find an increase in energy you know, and then you have an increase in energy and now you can do better movement and now you can do better movement and now you're in a better mood. And it's like this cool cascade effect. Yeah. For me, when I shifted to like a holistic approach for the endometriosis, I was in so much pain when I started to make that shift. I could not walk more than a few minutes at the time. And I spent most of my days laying on the floor in the bath. Like I didn't have a life and it took three months, day for day. I woke up one day and I was like, I'm not in pain. Like it took three months of being very like 
focused on my food, on my stress, like doing all these things to help. And then at the three month mark, it was like this breath I could breathe all of a sudden. Like, so we have to be so patient. Sometimes it doesn't happen like in, you know, a magic second, but if you stick with it, it will change. It will change your whole life if you give it a chance. So I hope people hear that. Like your tumor took a year. It took three months day for day like 90 days for me to feel a difference in pain, right? Other things that started to shift in my body, but like my pain level started to really diminish after three months. So give yourself time. That's amazing. Your story is a really good one. And there's an important lesson in there because it's easy to lose hope. It's easy to think maybe it's not working, but try to remember that certainly no harm is going to come by eating better, by sleeping better, by moving gently and taking care of your body. There's not going to be any harm. And so stick with it. I actually think that's not a bad rule of thumb is probably to give it at least 12 weeks, you know, because I know even with herbal medicine, a lot of the herbs when we're using, you know, pharmaceuticals work faster, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times herbs can be just as good. They just take longer. And so maybe it's better to give yourself the six to 12 weeks on something that has no side effects than it is to go for that quick fix. Yeah. I'm taking a moment for people to like hear that. <laughs> to like take it in. Because we always want the quick fix. Like it's just the yeah. way we're wired. We want the quick fix. But sometimes it doesn't actually have as much value in the long run as the thing 100%. that requires more patience. Sometimes there's just not a pill. Right. Sometimes that's just not the answer. And it is that patience and that belief that your body is like a magical device. Your body can work magic if you support Mm -hmm. it, but it takes time. It does. Yeah. So talking about movement, I want to ask one last question before we wrap this up. And we've talked about doing too much versus doing too little. Yoga can be kind of in the middle of that, but I have found in myself that even some yoga practices were too much for me. Like Mm -hmm. they were pushing the envelope. How can we use yoga to support her hormones in general if we're on that journey of like healing ourselves? Yeah, I love yoga. So I'm, I'm all about yoga along the journey to support ourselves. And I'm with you. Like there are some yoga practices that are too much for me. And especially as I've gotten older, my practice has shifted. I used to be a lot more active in my practice when I was younger. And now I just am so appreciative of moving slowly with alignment and breath and, you know, the occasional yin or restorative practice. But You know, I would say, number one, yoga is so great for activating the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the opposite of our fight or flight. You know, by taking time to move slowly, but with strength, you can really unite your breath with your body. And when we control our breath with pranayama, we regulate our nervous system. So, you know, taking that slow flow, just taking our practice down a notch. If you notice that you're having a lot of stress response, that feeling of fight or flight, that feeling of tired, but wired, you know, instead of going into that level three class, maybe it would be nice to do a level one class. Maybe it would be nice when everyone's doing their vinyasa to just hold high plank and breathe deeply during chaturanga and up dog, and then pull back into down dog. There's just ways to, you know, slow it down and allow yoga to work for you. I also think the way, you know, yoga incorporates pranayama, which is one of the limbs of yoga. You know, pranayama does so much to activate the parasympathetic nervous system. And so just for example, 
alternate nostril breathing, if we take that example, right? Mm -hmm. If we breathe, the right nostril is a little more active, but the left nostril activates parasympathetic. And so that's why when maybe we're doing an evening practice, we lead and finish with our left nostril. But in the morning, we lead and finish with our right nostril in order to have more of that awakening response. Another great thing about yoga, you know, one of the reasons that I really promote it too is yoga does build lean muscle. And if we have lean muscle, then not only does that support our strength and our physical body, right? Because I think, you know, muscle is key, one of the keys to longevity, but muscle also is a glucose sink. So when you're eating and insulin gets released, if you have more lean muscle, then you have more places to store glucose. And it's instead of getting stored as fat, it gets put into your muscle to be used for energy later. And for me, the coolest part of yoga is just teaching us to take our mind away from the world, into our bodies, into our breath. And it is a break from all the craziness going on in your day. It gives you 15 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever you give yourself on your mat, yoga is your time to unite your body and breath and take a break and restore mm-hmm. yourself. And it trains us to meditate. You know, that's yeah. like one And on, to become more way. aware of those subtle things. Like we're talking about hormones. That's pretty subtle. It's not like you're feeling your muscle in your bone, but the more you're totally. present in your body, the more you're aware, the more you're going to notice the subtle shifts happening, not only in the improvement you're getting, but in the things you're struggling with in the moment. So yoga teaches us that self-awareness too, which is so helpful in this journey, I believe. Oh, a hundred percent. I love that you just said that. Yep. That's oh, it. Yeah. I feel like we could talk for hours about this, but we're going to wrap it up. Is there anything you want to add before we finish something important I didn't ask? Or if you want to leave listeners with one takeaway, what would that be? I think prioritize sleep and self-care. And your yoga practice is 100% part of that. I think it should be for everybody if I ruled the world. But yes, prioritize your sleep. Take care of yourself. Take downtime. You know, remember to breathe, get a massage, read a book, have a tea with a friend, but really take that time to slow down and be present and not always doing something all the time because life is fast enough. It sure is. (laughs) I'll put all your info in the show notes, but in the meantime, where's the best place for people to find you if they have follow-up questions, they want to chat with you or they want to work with you in some capacity? Oh, yeah, I would love to hear from you. Really, the best way to reach me is I've got an email address. It's my name, Carrie Costner at gmail.com. And I've got some limited availability for one on one work. I'm going to be starting some small group meetings in the next month or two. If you're local, I'm going to be running a workshop with my friend Kristen, who's this amazing sound healer. It's going to be on perimenopause and menopause down in Larkspur, if you live in the Bay Area. Northern California, people. Mm -hmm. Northern California, yeah. (laughs) A little bit north of San Francisco. So if you're around and you want information on that, just shoot me an email. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today, Carrie. That was very interesting. And I'm sure it's going to be super helpful for our listeners. Oh, thank you. You're amazing, Erica. Thank you so much for joining us today. 
If you haven't already done so, leave a review for this episode of the podcast in general on iTunes. If this episode has helped you in any way, pass it along and help someone else by leaving a review. Plus, when you leave a review to say thank you, I will give you access to our premium membership for free for a full month. All you have to do is send me a screenshot of your review and we'll get you all set up. You'll find the show notes for this episode and my quiz link at ericabelanger.com slash 167. Before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast for the support in making this possible. And this includes all our premium members. Once again, thank you for listening. See you next Monday.